The Pre-Paces podcast is brought to you by two brilliant sponsors. Paces Ahead is a fantastic four-day face-to-face paces course run in Brentford, London. They bring you a whole host of patients with fascinating stories and reliable signs, and these patients are absolutely delighted to allow you to hone your exam skills prior to exam day. Some of the patients actually are used in the exams themselves, and the next courses are running from the 20th to the 23rd of May, and then I will be helping out on the course running on the 28th to the 31st of May. Please do come and say hello. I'd love to have a chat and hopefully help you on your way to passing your paces. But if you can't make the course for whatever reason, our other sponsor, Pass Test, has got you covered with their market-leading online revision resource. There are tons of videos which help you revise from the comfort of your own home. And most listeners that I've spoken to have said this is equally essential for your paces success. But that's enough for me for now. Let's get into this week's episode of the Pre-Paces Podcast. Welcome to the Pre-Paces Podcast. And this week, it's a solo episode from me, Dr. Sam Williams, looking again at Paces 2023. This is because in the last few weeks, there was a 90-minute webinar brought out by the Royal College of Physicians with more information on the Paces 2023 format. Now, I'm sure, like me, you are as busy as ever. And so to save you a bit of time, from watching the entire hour and a half webinar, I'm going to try and summarize it by presenting the main findings from the webinar in about a third of the time it would have taken you to watch the entire thing. So without further ado, let's get into the RCP Paces 2023 webinar review. Firstly, who presented the webinar? Well, It was Dr. Stuart Hood, Associate Medical Director for Clinical Exams at the Royal College of Physicians, who is a consultant cardiologist based in Glasgow, and Dr. Tasneem Raza, OBE, who is an acute medicine consultant based in Bournemouth. He is the current International Medical Director for PACES. The webinar started with a review of why the PACES format needed to be changed. The findings from this were that they wanted to ensure PACES remained relevant, fair and up-to-date, They wanted the new format to reflect changes in postgraduate medical education and to reflect changes in the workplace for a modern day working doctor. They also outlined the five tests which needed to be met for any changes to be made in PACES. This is maintaining academic validity of the exam, reliability of the results, deliverability for the hosts and international partners, as well as making it a viable business model which is sustainable. The webinar also outlined the new format, which you can find in our previous episode, the first one of 2023, where myself and Dr. Jenny Goff talk through the whole new format in its entirety. However, I'll quickly summarize that again for you now. So outlining the things which have remained unchanged for 2023, it's still a five station carousel. It's still 20 minutes per station with five minute intervals between each station. The approximate time for the exam to be completed is 125 minutes. The three-point mark scheme remains the same. The number of examiners remains the same with two independent examiners per station. And the calibration process of the results is also unchanged. And the last thing which has 
probably most significant to those of you listening is that the same seven skill domains will be assessed. And those are physical examination, identifying clinical signs, clinical communication, differential diagnosis, clinical judgment, managing patient concerns and maintaining patient welfare. They then moved on to discuss what had been changed from the old PACES format. Firstly, the history taking in isolation station, what was formerly the station two in the old format of PACES has been scrapped. It was also felt that the communication station was too long and the interaction with the examiner added very little in terms of the assessment. It was also noted that the station five, whilst it was realistic, was too time pressured with only 10 minute scenarios. Taking into account these changes, they've devised several new stations. Firstly, the new communication stations are 10 minutes long and will come before a a pure examination station. And those communication stations will be twinned with the respiratory and the abdominal examination stations in a station one and a station four. Another big change with the communication station is that there will be no candidate examiner interaction. The award of marks will be made only on the observation of the encounter from the examiner. In the webinar, they discuss the types of scenarios which you may expect to encounter in these communication scenarios, particularly noting communication difficulties, ethical dilemmas, duty of candor scenarios, drug errors, shared decision-making as several examples. But there were also some interesting notes made by uh, these two presenters, particularly with reference to telephone discussions, MDT discussions and discharge planning discussions, which may well feature as part of these new communication scenarios. However, it was noted later on in the recording that the telephone and MDT discussions are something which will be, which will be unlikely to see in the first few diets of this new format of paces, but it is something which is likely to be introduced once they've ironed out the probable teething problems which will be encountered in the first few diets of the exam. One thing to note here as well is that the communication stations will be written and edited by the RCP writing group. So the writing group that comes from the Royal College of Physicians. So in other words, these are not going to be written by host examination center These scenarios will be provided to the host centre from the Royal College of Physicians. Next up was the discussion talking about the new clinical consultation stations or what they called integrated uh, consultations. The new integrated clinical consultation stations will comprise five minutes of reading time outside the station, 15 minutes for a detailed history, physical examination, and identifying of clinical signs, as well as a discussion on the patient's concerns, investigations, and further management. Following this, there will then be five minutes of interaction with the examiners. The interesting points to note on these new clinical consultations is that these stations will be written by the host centres, not by the RCP writing group. And this is probably due to the fact that the host centre will be the only people who know what clinical signs that the candidates would expect to find at that centre. I think it would be quite difficult for the Royal College to say, we want you to find a patient with this condition. And then the hosts have a challenge to uh, find a patient within their population with this given condition who is willing to participate in PACES. Similar to the previous uh, Station 5s, these clinical consultations will comprise acute and outpatient setting 
patients for the examinations. The patients may or may not have physical signs and equally it may be a patient or a surrogate providing the history in these stations. Importantly, all these stations are submitted to the Royal College of Physicians for vetting to ensure that they are standardized and appropriate for the exam. Next up, the webinar detailed a brief timeline of the process of improving the exam, which is uh, not relevant for me to go through at length. They discussed what the strengths of the existing PACES format, which needed to be retained. They decided the strengths were the clinical examination of real patients with real signs that should obviously remain directly observed encounters was something which should remain and having two independent assessors at each station again was noted as a strength of this format however they also noted several improvements one of the one of which is the fact that there are now two communication stations rather than one and notably um, the, the new format will mean that candidates will only have to read one scenario before entering the station. In the previous format, uh, particularly notable in a station five, the most time pressured of the stations, candidates would have to read two scenarios and you might then become confused about which scenario you're encountering first and then also have to retain the information um, for the second half of the station for the second brief clinical consultation. So I can only say that this is probably a good thing that before uh, you enter each station, you'll have only read one scenario because I remember in my exam having to read two station five scenarios before entering the exam. I did find it difficult to retain the amount of information from both scenarios going into that station. The other important point from the new clinical consultations is that of the 10 total examiners at each host center, it means more of them will be able to test all of the seven skill marking domains. Eight of the 10 examiners will be able to test all seven domains, which I have to say would probably give candidates a better opportunity to showcase their skills rather than being um, sort of pigeonholed by certain stations where you're only able to be marked on a certain number of the uh, skill domains. The webinar then moved on to discuss the marking pro forma. Now this is still a three point scheme where candidates can score either a satisfactory, a borderline or an unsatisfactory. They discussed the minimum score to pass all seven skills and that the score for this will be 113. However, to pass overall, you will need 127 marks. So not only will you have to pass each skill domain in isolation, but you will also need to meet a minimum number of uh, a minimum score to pass overall. This score has actually come down by three points where it was previously 130 marks of a total 172. It's now a total of 127 from 168. This is to account for four fewer marks available in the differential diagnosis domain. They also then mentioned the monitoring of the first few diets of the exam and how the weight for results will be dependent on the amount of analysis done to the results in that first uh, initial period after the set of exams. So the wait for results will be on average eight weeks for the first diet of paces. That sounds like a really long time to me. However, I think it's important that they are able to validate the process, evaluate where any downfalls have uh, been found in the uh, examination process and that they need to address those robustly so that all candidates can have a fair attempt at paces and uh, not have their attempt scuppered just because of the new format. 
Dr. Hood and Dr. Raza then talked about the information that hosts would receive uh, prior to the implementation of the new format and what would be asked of the host when they uh, choose to run an exam. The hosts overall were asked to source patients for the examination stations, the respiratory, abdominal, cardiovascular and neurology examinations. They then need to write scenarios for the station two and the station five and to source patients or surrogates for these exams. The communication stations will be issued, as I mentioned, by the Royal College of Physicians, so they have no input into that whatsoever. But also the important role of the host is to play uh, is to have a bird's eye view of the exam to ensure that no important information is being duplicated, that we're not seeing a duplication of skill between uh, the various stations. They then discussed how uh, an examination would proceed if there were fewer than 10 examiners. If there were nine, I think it was noted that there, if there were eight examiners, then obviously this would mean the, the exam would not be able to run. So nine examiners is the minimum number of examiners required for the exam. What this would mean is that one lone examiner will mark one of the station, either the station two or the station five, that's the clinical consultation station, and this mark will be doubled rather than having two independent markers. So for one of your clinical consultations, you'll only have one marker whose score will be doubled. Importantly, if this happens, you will be offered the chance to withdraw from the exam and be given an alternative exam place. What this means is that they will ask for your consent prior to the exam uh, and to sign a waiver, which means that you, if you choose to appeal your exam result on the basis that there was uh, one fewer examiner, that this will then not be upheld because you've obviously given your consent prior to the examination taking place. Dr. Hood and Dr. Raza then moved on to a Q&A uh, session where a lot of questions were repeated. So I will try my best to summarize those questions which provided new information which uh, was not previously available and uh, which will be of most significance to either examiners or to obviously the candidates that are sitting in the near future. First of all, there was a, um, a question regarding the average time division of history examination and discussing with the patient the differential diagnosis and the plan. This was aimed at the clinical consultation stations. Um, now, uh, obviously they were reluctant to put any hard and fast rules on this, but what they did say was um, the it, it's your discretion depending on what you find during the examination. Obviously, if some stations require more of an in-depth examination, then you may need to do more in that station. However, what they did say is that if you get to the two-minute advisory warning before the end of the station, that should be a marker for you to consider wrapping up and discussing the investigations, diagnosis, and management with your patient. And additionally, similar to the station fives, they also encouraged you to take a history and examine the patient at the same time in these clinical consultation stations. Next up, there was a question about the uh, another question about the clinical. Uh, consultation stations particularly asking will there be a focus on rheumatology endocrinology ophthalmology or dermatology the answer to this was not really it will it will be mapped to the imt curriculum and not only to those specialties whilst those specialties as we know do feature in the clinical consultations more than uh, the other stations 
obviously this is something that I try to reflect in my podcast and uh, I obviously try and ensure that there are more diverse possible presentations which may feature in a clinical consultation. Next question was regarding when will the Royal College upload sample scenarios and importantly there are already there are already some example scenarios available on the Royal College website and I will drop a link to where you can find those sample scenarios in the show notes to this podcast. The next question was regarding the uh, communication scenarios. Are they similar to previous exams? And overwhelmingly the answer was yes. Most of them will have similar themes. The only difference is you'll have less time to complete them. This is either because the scenarios have been deliberately shortened, sometimes they've been simplified, but even so, Dr. Hood noted that the previous feedback was that the communication stations often finished early anyway. So the time pressure of having uh, less time hopefully will not be much of a problem in this, uh, in this new format of the communication stations. The next question was about the post-exam briefing meeting with the examiners where they meet to discuss any issues which had been encountered during that carousel. It was noted that this meeting does not decide the final mark. This is decided when the mark sheets go through the marking scanner. They will be performing analysis of the results particularly closely in the first few diets to look closely at the new format and where improvements can be made. Next up, someone asked, will the examination and communication stations be linked at all? For example, where you will have a station one, which will be your communication, then your respiratory examination station. It was categorically noted that the scenarios will be different. So your communication should in, in no way really be connected to your respiratory examination. And this is where they mentioned about the bird's eye view of the host center, where hopefully they should be able to uh, prevent any similar themes being seen in the communications uh, as may be seen in the examination stations. There were plenty of questions regarding prioritization of uh, spaces uh, in a Pacer's diet, uh, and it was noted that most candidates will be uh, appointed for a place in Pacer's based on their stage of training. Dr. Hood noted that prior to COVID, there was pretty much no uh, no problem getting uh, enough candidates in for their PACES exam. However, due to the COVID backlog, this has proved to be problematic in the uh, post-pandemic era. However, it was noted that preference is given to those in training nearing a progression point where passing the exam is critical to their career progression. It was also mentioned that priority should also be given to candidates who have attended a previous exam only for it to be cancelled due to COVID. Again, more questions on the communication station, one of which was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, an interesting point that the communication stations will always be first before the examination station. This is uh, sensible, as it means you only need to read one scenario before going in to uh, discuss about the same scenario. Um, and it also is important because obviously you wouldn't want to read the scenario, perform your respiratory or abdominal examination and then have to uh, you know blinkedly remember or try to remember the scenario that you read before then going into your examination station. There was then a similar question uh, regarding the clinical consultations saying are some of them suitable enough to remain unchanged for the new paces format and again the answer was yes. Some of the previous station fives 
are completely suitable to be done as a uh, clinical consultation with more time available. However, it was obviously noted that with more time, you would be expected to perform a more comprehensive history and uh, a, th a thorough and fluent um, examination. However, this is not to be confused with performing a full examination as you would be expected to do in your uh, pure examination stations in your cardiovascular, neurology, abdominal and respiratory stations. Another question on the clinical consultation stations regarding uh, examining different systems based on the presenting symptom. The overarching evidence, the overarching advice that was given was respond to the history that the patient gives you. Dr. Hood was pretty clear in saying the hosts are instructed not to include too many red herrings when writing these scenarios and importantly to not lead candidates to examine parts of the body which are not necessarily relevant to the presented complaint. Obviously, they would not expect you to perform the same respiratory examination as in a station one in the clinical consultation station. Equally, it was stated that if a candidate is examining a part of the body which is not relevant, you may be instructed by the examiner that you don't need to perform that part of the examination. However, uh, from my own personal opinion, I would take this with a big pinch of salt and suggest that it would be entirely dependent on the examiner and how helpful that individual examiner was willing to be in your station. There was a question regarding the telephone discussion and MDT scenarios, uh, and it was mentioned that this is not yet a feature um, of the uh, PACES exam, but the scenario writing group are considering topics which form the everyday work of a training medical reg, but they did say it's not something that, you'll, that will feature in the first few diets of the exam, but maybe something to, uh, which will be introduced later on down the line. There were lots of questions from our international medical graduates, particularly about where centres would be opening uh, around the world. There were questions about uh, various countries where they were hoping that centres would be opened. Again, this is something which I would encourage uh, the international medical graduates to keep an eye on the PACES website and see if any centres are opening uh, near to where you are. Dr. Raza uh, briefly talked through the uh, process of uh, opening a new centre um, where, uh, first of all, they perform what's called a fact-finder mission where Dr. Raza and other staff from the Royal College would travel to and examine a centre to ensure they have enough examiners and, and how they would run it. They then perform a second visit where they run a, a complete dress rehearsal of the exam. And if that goes well, they then uh, strive to train up as many examiners as possible to ensure the exam can be run and after that point, they would then open it as a centre. However, they did mention that this can take up to 18 months. And so uh, obviously they need to vet their processes very carefully to ensure that the exam is being run uh, as, as stringently and uh, as reliably as possible in a given centre. So guys, that pretty much wraps up all of the headline new information, uh, new findings from the uh, webinar that was broadcast by the Royal College of Physicians featuring uh, Dr. Stuart Hood and Dr. Tasneem Raza. The whole webinar is available recorded at mrcpuk.org slash paces23 webinar. So if you do wish to see the entire thing for yourself, you can see it at that link, which I will also drop a link to in the show notes. I hope this has been helpful for you guys to summarize some of the new findings in the new Paces 2023 format. 
We will get back in a couple of weeks to the uh, normal scheduled programming where we'll be bringing you more and more episodes on topics relevant to your paces preparation. However, I did think this was really important to highlight any new changes which we made, which would be made to the format for anyone sitting in the diet towards the end of 2023. Please don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, I really love to hear from you. And particularly if you are sitting the new format of paces, please get in touch with how your experience is in the months to come. We always love to hear from you. Get in touch. It's at Prepaces Podcast on Twitter or via the website. If you really want to go above and beyond and support the show, it's buymeacoffee.com slash Prepaces Podcast. I've been Dr. Sam Williams, and I will see you next time on the Prepaces Podcast. <laughs>